Hi, love. We've gotten such a response to this three-part series, and many have wanted to share it with their friends. So while you, my dear, are joining us here in episode one, I'll let you know right now that if you go to hillaryrushford.com slash bookstory, which is also linked in the description below, you'll find all three episodes in this series, plus an exclusive chapter of my book, which you will probably be curious to read after you hear what was said about it in part three. When you get that chapter, you'll also hear updates via email as to what's happening in real time after this series, and you can find all of that at hillaryrushford.com slash bookstory to share that link because we are finding so many more people than I had any idea when I started sharing this can relate to and are feeling deeply healed by hearing the emotions and experiences in this story, even though the details may be completely different. I had no idea how many people had felt this way in other industries, other careers, family, friendships across the board. So I would also love to hear from you and get to know you personally. So I am over on Instagram and hanging out in stories there daily at Hillary Rushford. But first, enjoy the show. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Friend, I have been writing some version of this podcast episode, both in my head and typing it for almost a year now. And every time I do, I hate it. I hate the process. It just feels hard and heavy and stuck. And then last week I was in Salt Lake City, as you know from Instagram, visiting my young brother-in-law who was uh, recently paralyzed in an accident in March and he's at a hospital rehabilitation there. And I got to go to lunch with a couple of Instagram friends who live nearby. And I was explaining how I've got to do this episode. The time is coming, I've got to do this episode, and I am trying to make it this concise 30 minutes so it's easily digestible. But I'm trying to explain this really traumatic experience I went through. And there is so much to cover, and there's so much fear of being misunderstood or judged or people not thinking it was that big of a deal because I summed it up too simply and succinctly. And my friend Sadie just stopped me and said, you need to tell your story. You have been silenced for a long time. And now that you have fought for and won permission to speak, don't tiptoe around what people think anymore. Say what your body needs to get out. And I love her for saying that because so much of this story As you've seen on Instagram, it's a grief I've been sharing since August of last year, 2022, but I couldn't legally say what it was. And from the beginning, so much of this story has been about you. I have to tell you. I have to fill you in. You're going to ask. It's not going to make sense if I don't say anything, which will make sense more in next week's episode. And I'm right about that. But also, this is about me healing so that I can continue to serve, and so that I can get back to feeling like myself, feeling joyful and confident and safe. And in that way too, 
a lot of this story for me has really been thinking about you, thinking about victims, for lack of a better word, who have been made to feel like they can't or shouldn't tell the truth about what happened to them because it will make someone else look bad or feel uncomfortable or angry. So there's three things I want to share or teach on in this episode as the first part of the story. And the first of those three is everyone has stories they aren't sharing. The key difference is whether you are, to quote Oprah to Meghan Markle, are you being silent or are you being silenced? In the stories that you aren't sharing, to be silent could mean this feels too vulnerable for me to share. Maybe it's your infertility, your marriage, the state of your business, but you are keeping yourself safe by at certain times, certain places with certain people, staying silent on the issue, on the whole story. Silenced is when someone else feels this is too vulnerable for you to share. Maybe that's your parent being an addict, your sister's cancer, you signed an NDA at your work or a non-disparagement in a legal agreement, even if it would feel safer for you, meaning it helps you heal, be understood, process what happened to you. Someone else is saying it doesn't make them safe, so you have to stay quiet about it. They triggered the pain and they are asking you to sit with it. And sometimes that's okay. We love and respect people. We, we too think, oh, this would be upsetting if I talked publicly about my mom's addiction or the fact that she had an affair when we were young and that's why our, my parents got divorced or whatever. And you think, I don't need to tell everyone. I can tell my therapist, my close friends. I do love and respect this person. I don't really want to want or need to share this with everyone, or it might be exhausting or painful for us to share anyways. And so, yes, they're happy that you're not sharing, but even if you could, honestly, you probably just really wouldn't go around talking about it a lot. And other times, it is a real challenge to not be able to share. Martha Beck, a author that I adore, I believe it was in her book, The Way of Integrity, that she talks about a study of men who were suffering from AIDS during the AIDS epidemic, and that those who were the most closeted about their sexuality died the soonest. And that stood out to me so much. I read that in the last year or two in the midst of going through this, and I've just never forgotten that that scientific proof that not telling your truth takes a physical toll even down to your immune system. It is so important for human flourishing to be able to be honest and open about who you are and to feel safe and loved and supported in that. I have another friend that went through a legal battle um, a bit before mine, and she unfortunately did not fight in her agreement to be allowed to anonymously speak about it. And she's like, once it was all done, I thought I would feel this sense of relief. But ultimately, I just realized now I'm, 
I'm still silenced. It just looks like, it, and she said, it looks like I just had a breakdown for no reason. <laughs> it looks like I have trust issues that don't make any sense. There's so much about me that you don't understand if I can't tell you this thing that happened to me. And I just, it is so painful to watch her in that situation. And in my case, something happened to me for over a year and it ended last June, about a year ago. And it was so awkward because of my business, because of how I show up on Instagram and I show up on my podcast and I show up in my private communities to not be able to talk about it along the way for the whole year initially that it was happening and then even more so when it ended. And I was just struggling to get out of bed some days. Like I was just grieving so much. And the way I do all of this is not pre-recorded. I, I don't, this isn't an interview podcast that I batch six months at a time and I talk about what's going on with other people. I'm not just doing like dance trends on social media or whatever. I teach from my life in real time. And this grief was the only thing at the front of my life, my mind. So finally in August, I showed up on Instagram and I just said, I've had a hard, hard summer. And I'm going to link that post in the description. It's going to be relevant in part three. So if you watch it now, you will have context when it comes back later in the story. Um, I ventured another post a month later that said, I'm deeply disappointed with where I'm at in my life. I'll link that one as well. And whew, that resonated when I was going to find the link for this today. I just thought, okay, now that we are actually able to talk about things, we need to expand on that topic more in an episode later that summer because whew, this the, the phrase I used was the club of the quietly disappointed. And goodness, were so many of us, so many more of us in that club than I would have imagined. So watch both of those before next week and it'll give you a sense of the journey over the last year. I also I'll put up kind of the last one I did, a third one, just a month ago. Um, if you're new around here or you haven't been a part of the Instagram community, that's kind of been our 10 months around here. <laughs> Lots of me crying um, and just talking about grief. And I am ready to move on to celebrating. <laughs> but in that sharing, you will notice there were never any specifics because I legally couldn't say anything. So it was just the emotion. And the second thing I want to share is that I learned there is beauty in silence. So it took me over $10,000 in legal fees and six months of being in regular contact with my first lawyer. After that, they recommended that I speak to a second lawyer, but initially, I just, I, I energetically, I had to focus on my business. I was so emotionally exhausted. I knew I had to talk to that other lawyer before I got around to doing this podcast episode, but I knew I just didn't have, have it in me to, to do it yet. Um, so that's why it took another four months to get here. But that was time and money that I didn't have, which you'll understand as, as I share more of this story. The last thing I had was time and money to keep throwing at this situation. But I said to my lawyer, if I can't do this in my position, then who can? If I can't afford this, if I can't give more time, 
that then who who ha- who has a smaller business than me? Who then also has small kids on top of me? Like, if I'm in the top two percent of female-owned businesses as far as my revenue, which is a statistic that's out there about seven-figure businesses, if I'm in the top 2% of women that have these financial resources and I don't have small children and I'm not dealing with ongoing medical pain or something and I don't have the time and the, the money to do this, then who does? And if I can't ever speak about this, then I'm allowing my silence to be complicit knowing that others in my position could be harmed because I didn't warn them, because I wasn't willing to keep making the financial and the energetic sacrifice to try to do the right thing. And so I did fight and won my freedom to speak with obviously a lot of caveats around that, um, which is why we're here today. But it's been a year of being silenced. And in the beginning, I felt so angry and awkward and frustrated with being silenced. I cringed every time in the beginning when you would leave a sweet and completely normal, understandable comment below the reels that said, what happened? Did, did I miss it? Is there, is there someplace I can catch up on your story? And every time I would just think like, ugh. They're going to think that I'm trying to drum up curiosity as a marketing tactic, that I'm trying to dangle this to capture their attention. And so I would very intentionally say each time, unfortunately, to clarify, this is not my choice and preference. Unfortunately, I am not legally allowed to say right now. AKA, this is not just me being silent. This is not just me not being ready emotionally to share, but I'm not legally allowed to say to say right now, but I hope to be able to soon. As in, I am not sitting with that. I am fighting for the legal right. You may have gotten that comment because I swear I have typed that exact same sentence hundreds of times at this point. I have been saying that since August. But what I didn't know and never would have chosen is there has been a holiness to this season that I am weirdly sad to be losing. Because next week, I'm going to share the next part of the story. I'm going to share the details. And without the details, everyone can relate to the feelings of loss, grief, disappointment, heartbreak. And somebody asked that that third reels that I linked in the description, someone asked, I'm pretty sure it was on that post. They said, when will you be able to share more details so I can relate more? And I said to her, when I share details, no one will be able to relate anymore. Because I don't know anyone who's gone through what I have. And if there is, it's a very small club. So I said, you can relate more now because you're only seeing the feelings. And honestly, I've been blown away by how universal they are. And it's been comforting, even though I know no one can relate to my specifics. I have sort of been been mutually held each time I've shared, because with only the emotion, you've said, oh, 
I get it. You're not alone. I've been there too. Thank you. This makes me feel not alone. This helps me know that other people have have felt this. And it's been a weird year on my profile because it's mostly just been about grief. When something is so consuming, it's hard to know what else to talk about. Plus, this story nearly cost me my business. So I have been working extra hard all year to dig out. So I just didn't have the bandwidth to be cute and fun in reels and pump out all of this other additional content. So the VIP crew, as I call y'all who watch my Instagram stories, you guys have seen a lot more than that. Um, But my feed has very anemically been kind of the hard things club. And I don't want that to be the story of my life. I don't want to be someone who is still walking through grief. And a friend said to me quite a few months ago, I don't think you can heal from this until you do that podcast episode, until you share. I think that is a necessary step in healing. And I knew when she said it that she was right. Like I was, I was basically justifying to her, I think I'm going to put it off because this, I could do this first and this first. And I really was saying, I don't have to do that hard thing right now. I can, I can do it later. I can get around to it later. And th- that was all wise and justified in the, the arguments I was making. But she also wisely was like, but the longer you put it off, the longer you're delaying healing. Ugh, and I knew that she was right. And really, I'm closing the chapter on a story that started for me in 2016, and it's 2023. This has been a seven-year story, and I'm hoping to put a bow on with these three episodes, with the final podcast in this story. But it will always have changed me to be more empathetic, welcoming, acknowledging of all grief, Not because I went through this thing, because again, it's a niche story and that's not where the connection is, but because of this holy season from August 22 to May 23, when all I could share was, I am grieving. And you all said, I am too, or I have been there. And the third and final thing for today is... I am really terrified to share my story with you the next two weeks. And that does not make sense to me. Because I am easily vulnerable with this community. I have, without hesitation, wept through an episode on being so torn as to whether or not we want to have children. I did a whole apology episode when I realized my old business partner had been sending spammy emails without my permission. I shared in the very first episode of this podcast my suicidal ideation years ago and that I spent a week in the hospital recovering from that. So why every time that I try to sit down to write these episodes do I feel so resistant and fearful? It's a trauma response when you've been gaslit because you are terrified that when yet again you try to speak about what's happening to you, you will be judged, shamed, told you're wrong, told you're overreacting. So it does make sense. It's just absolutely bizarre to me to be 
this age in my life to have done so much work in personal development and therapy feel so emotionally and mentally healthy and so terrified to just tell the truth about what happened to me, my experience, and how I was treated from my perspective and how it made me feel. And that makes me emotional because if I'm struggling this much at my age, what about people who are younger? With, if I'm struggling this much with all the work I've done, what about those who don't yet have the tools? My experience wasn't sexual. If, if yours was, you would feel this 10x because it happened to and in your body. My experience wasn't because I'm a person of color. What if you experience racism that could then occur at countless other scenarios you could walk into any day? If it is this hard for me, how many other people are not speaking and therefore not healing, either because they're being silenced or because it's just so terrifying and exhausting to share your story. I want to acknowledge that I used the word gaslit, and that is a term we are thrown around a lot in this day and age. So I am not a therapist, but in my understanding from educating myself, to gaslight someone is to make someone feel like what happened to them didn't actually happen, that what they experienced was not true to real life, and therefore they must be crazy. It comes from a film, I think we maybe all know this at this point, it comes from an old film where someone was flickering the lights, flickering the lights of the gas lamp, and then she was saying, are the lights going in and out? And they were saying no. And that no, nothing happened with the lights. And so starting to make her feel crazy that she can't trust her own eyesight and experience. So it is where you start to not trust yourself. You start to feel crazy because someone was doing it intentionally to be cruel, to deeply manipulate you. Gaslighting also, if you look up what therapists say, it also can be unintentional. And it also can just be miscommunication that's not actually gaslighting. And I think that's where a lot of times today we are throwing around that it wasn't necessarily the deepest manipulation. I had a a best friend that was in a 10-year relationship with a sociopath. I have seen cruel, manipulative, ongoing, long-term gaslighting. It's pretty rare, but it absolutely exists. Then there's miscommunication. Like one of my favorite stories on this is many years ago, I had two friends that had started dating each other and they had a conversation. And then I heard from both of them about the conversation. And one said, the conversation went great. We decided that we are just going to be friends. And the other said, the conversation went great. We've decided we're going to try to make it work romantically. And I remember standing on my parents' driveway in Southern California, like like silently screaming on the phone, like be like, what? 
what? Like, how? How? These were two bright, intelligent, successful, socially normative, really awesome 30-year-old people. How did they have one conversation and so clearly miscommunicate? So no one in that scenario was trying to gaslight each other. We just often are not real good at humans as communication, even if it seems like there's, you know, all adults in the room. We hear things through filters, we remember things through filters, we can misinterpret a tone, we can skip us a word in a sentence, like this happens. But then in between deeply cruel manipulative gaslighting and the miscommunication that happens between human beings, in the middle is unintentional gaslighting that can have an element of cruelty to it, even if it isn't intended. But it's also not protected for with empathy, wisdom, compassion, respect to go the extra mile and make sure that that this isn't happening. So one example that I read when I was researching this was, let's say you get a promotion and someone at work says, oh, that's so great. I'm glad they're finally realizing that they need to promote women. Well, the tone and the relationship could indicate, hooray, like, you know, girl power. This is great. I'm so celebrating this with you. You absolutely deserved this. And and previously you would have been looked over even though you were the best one. And finally you were getting the, the, the respect that you deserve. Or it could mean, well, you only got it because you were a woman and they're feeling pressured to promote women. So you weren't the best one for the job, but oh good, they're promoting women now. Yeah, that's good. They should do that. If it's in a male-dominated workplace, that could absolutely chip away at your confidence and keep you feeling beneath others. That can be that unintentional form of gaslighting if you really think you thought you got that job because you were talented, and now someone is planting the seed that... Maybe actually you just got it because you were a woman. And then in the way that it's phrased, they can very easily claim later, oh, that's not what I meant. And again, maybe they really didn't. Maybe they it, it was just a, a miscommunication or a little bit of a foot in the mouth. But it also could be valid that your gut says that's what they meant. Because I've had a conversation with a man before about women's rights. And I could tell when he was actually being supportive. And I'm not that much of a delicate flower. I'm not that easily offendable. I know when someone is being supportive and I know when someone is not. But because of the way they said it, they can now claim, oh no, I was being supportive. And now I'm being gaslit for a second time by being made to feel like I was being too sensitive as a woman for thinking they meant it as a dig. And it then implies that I shouldn't trust my gut when my gut says, I think that guy was kind of being a dick. (laughs) And that, that that starts to build up over time. So in my case, it has nothing to do with gender, by the way. I don't believe anyone was intending to gaslight me from a cruel place from the start. And yet, I was repeatedly told that things said to me were not said to me. I was screamed at 
for issues someone else caused and never took accountability for. I was told to respect people, but not to trust them and to lie to them, which are conflicting directives that leave you having no idea how to proceed. I was told I was exceptional and awful at the exact same task, and those who observed it said nothing to clarify. I was told I was being too difficult when I tried to protect myself financially as the most at risk by far in the scenario, and told I was being a problem when they made a mistake and I noted the mistake because of the other dominoes it was knocking over. For a year of my life, I felt absolutely crazy in a way that I never have before. And I realized the privilege in that I didn't grow up with a mother who gaslit me. I, I've never been in a long-term relationship that was manipulative, you know, short-term weirdness. Yes, everyone's had it. But the whole time I kept thinking, if this had happened to me five years ago, which is when I wanted the scenario to have happened. I was frustrated that it had taken so long in my life to get to this place. But if this had happened to me five years ago, I I don't know what would have happened to me. Because I would not have had the strength to endure it. I am so grateful this didn't happen to me when I was single. I met my husband at the end of 2016, and I realize now that when I was single and living alone, there would have been no one to really witness on a a daily basis in the moment and keep confirming to me that I wasn't crazy. If I had gone through this before, I had worked so hard to heal my burnout, which started for me that healing in 2015, 2016. And then really I sunk into it at the beginning of 2021, just before this scenario happened. And I am so deeply grateful for that because I was so highly anxious. I was so burned out. I had so little emotional reserves. I am so grateful that in this time, there was nothing happening that was deeply challenging in my personal life or with family things. There wasn't family drama. I wasn't going through a breakup. Nobody was going through cancer. I mean, when I just consider that this is how I felt while going through this in a place that for all other intents and purposes in my life, I was so healthy. I was so clear and focused on my goals and my priorities. And yet, I would go to sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would wake up and my first thoughts in the morning were all this constant defense, like I was in a courtroom trying to solve, trying to explain for something that 
I couldn't even remember in the dream when I woke up. It wasn't like I would was actually in a courtroom. I just constantly had this sense that my my whole being was just fighting to be understood and I couldn't I would feel exhausted when I woke up and I couldn't even remember what my dream was about. What was I what was I trying to solve? What was I trying to accomplish? But I risked so much in this scenario. And the stakes kept getting higher. And the gaslighting kept getting higher. Until it came crashing down. And then the gaslighting ratcheted up to such a shocking degree that I'm sitting here a year later and I still can't tell this story without crying. I'm still having to tell myself every time I say it. You are safe. You will be safe. I believe you. You're telling the truth. I believe you and this wasn't your fault. You did your best. And I know there are people listening who can relate to needing to hear that and needing to speak that over yourself. Even when it's been what feels like a really long time and you wish that you were over it now, and you wish that you felt safe, that you wish that you felt heard and believed already. But I want you to know that I believe you. I do believe you. If you shared what happened to you, I would never wonder what you did to deserve it. If maybe your dress was a little too tight or you ignored the red flags that I would have been smart enough to catch, I would never think you did something to deserve this. I would never think less of you because you chose to share. I wouldn't think you wanted attention. I wouldn't think you were trying to make it a sob story. I would think you were brave. And I would believe that you were helping someone else and healing in the process. I know that's what I would think of you. So why am I so afraid that I will be judged, talked badly about, disliked, Seen as a problem person. Because being gaslit means you were in pain. And people kept telling you to stop complaining. And that you were just being silly. Maybe because they didn't understand. And we can try to give them grace. Or they were busy. Or it was inconvenient for them. or threatened their goals and their selfish lens came out in it. And therefore, someone who hears the story now could feel the same, could not want to hear my story because it makes them wonder if they've ever done something similar or not want to believe it because it makes them feel unsafe. 
So it could be someone who just doesn't really get it and it doesn't really relate to them. Or it could be that lens of self-protection and safety on your end, that for you to stay safe, you have to dismiss or ignore my story. But I literally have no option. (laughs) I will explain more next week, but it was tell this story or walk away from what I've spent the last decade building and what I love doing with my life and the only thing I picture doing with my life until I'm in my 80s. And if I really thought this did not affect anyone else, maybe I would have considered that option a little more. But you will hear next week why I know elements of this are happening to other people. And all I do in my company is try to unravel and understand things that harm us. What makes women feel beautiful? Or sadly, more often not. What are the deeper stories there that we can unravel and rewrite? Why are we burned out? And how do we both individually and collectively heal that? Because it's not just a personal problem. It's also a societal problem, yet we're also personally empowered. Why are we exhausted from productivity guilt and yet not satisfied with what we're making happen in our lives. All of those are my courses, my products, my communities. I look at what I'm struggling with, and when I realize that most anyone in my position is struggling with it, the sociologist and teacher in me wants to understand how we got here and how we can feel better and make it better for everyone. So next week, I'll start telling my story. You probably won't be able to relate. So I'll ask you to remember how I felt when I shared about grieving over these last 10 months, how you related to that, and remember that we still share that. Because this is really just about loss and hard, hard things. And unfortunately, my friend, that we all have in common at some point in our stories. So I truly hope that my having the courage to share my story helps someone else who needs it in order to heal through sharing theirs, and most importantly, that it protects others from ever having this specific pain to heal from in the first place. So I'll see you back here on our next You're Welcome Wednesday with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is getting to have that lunch last week with my friends Sadie and Jenna. And coincidentally, both have been through major legal stories in their business in the past that have led to so much heartbreak and grief. And it's why I am so deeply grateful for Instagram. Because the only friends I have that really can relate to elements of my story and have been able to over this last year or two are people that I met on Instagram. They're not my real life friends, my neighbors, my friends from college, my friends from church. And I've always been aware of the privilege that I get in getting to meet those colleagues because we're both sharing. I'm sharing on stories. She's sharing on stories. 
Whereas for the most part, on Instagram, we're following other people if you are not a fellow content creator. And so you're following their life, but it's not reciprocal. And that's why I created the Elegant Excellence community um, that that opened up at the end of last year because I wanted those deeper reciprocal relationships for you. And I have seen that already in that group of people that someone else also is going through the acrimonious divorce. Someone also is going through the eating disorder. Someone also is leaving the toxic work environment. Um, Someone also is celebrating a, a positive milestone and is at this good new season in their life. And being able to relate to people who really, the details are there. It's not just the uh, emotional part of it that we've been talking about publicly for the last year, but they do get the details. Is just such a gift. And it was such a hard week being with Aaron. I, I'm going to try to do maybe a bonus episode with an Aaron update because I know a lot of you guys um, have been asking, which is such an influencer-y phrase to say, but um, I, and it, I feel like I need more than two minutes on Instagram stories, but it's not going to be a 90-second reel, so I will work on that. Um, but it was such a gift to be able to just sit outside with six awesome women for lunch. It was a beautiful day and just fall right into the energy and the vibe of a friend group. You know, when you're the only one that doesn't know everybody, you easily could be the odd man out. This was the the opposite where you also could instantly be included into deeper conversation because nobody needs to do the surfacey stuff. They're all already in dialogue and you can just sink into that. And uh, it was just, it was such a little 90 minutes of respite from being at the hospital all week. And it just reminds me how beautiful it is to be with women who work on themselves, who share vulnerably, who are constantly looking to evolve and change and who support one another so deeply. And I see that so much in this community here at Dean Street Society. We recently hired and our size of our team grew and my new customer service lead was just saying um, on Monday on our um, meeting, going over everything that's happening in the inbox and et cetera, she was like, this community is a delight. Like she had started an email with like, it's so good to hear from you. And she was like, honestly, I mean that. Like they're all so nice and they're all so sweet. Like it's really a delight to be in this inbox. And so while I'm so scared for this series to start, that's really where the emotion comes from today because obviously I didn't actually share details in this episode, but I know that that the train has now left the station. I now know that we are off and there is a part two next week and a part three the week after that, and I can't ham and haw over them. I have just got to go live. And there may be people who haven't been here all along that hear these episodes. And that feels a little scary because they don't know us and they don't know me. But the majority who will hear this are us. And I am so proud that I have cultivated such a kind, authentic community. And so when I say that I am scared about how people will react, if you've been here, if you're part of this community, I, I don't mean you. There is such love and grace and generosity. And I understand that's because like attracts like, and I understand that's because I lead with that. So that's what I receive. But when you put something out onto the internet, 
it can go a lot farther than the people that you've built those safe relationships with. And I am so grateful if you have been here. Some of you have been here from the beginning when I founded my business as a personal stylist in 2011. Um, and I love when you send me those messages and you're like, I was here. I was in the very first Style and Styleability course. I was here back when you did those Style Me monthly Instagram challenges. Like I was there when you spoke at, you know, IFB or Alt Summit. Um, I'm just so grateful. So something is coming in the next few weeks, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for you to experience it, and most importantly, as this beautiful community, to experience it together. So more soon, my friend. Much more good, good feeling things coming soon. next Wednesday.